Hi, MDRT family. It's Laura Lee coming at you from New York City um, with the third episode of the MDRT podcast. This afternoon, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Alice Briones, who is the Deputy Director of the Armed Forces Medical Examiner System um, of and is in the U.S. Air Force. She is a forensic pathologist and lives in Delaware with her family, her beautiful daughter, Autumn, and her husband, Jesus. And uh, besides being a badass uh, medical examiner and forensic pathologist, she has just run her very first marathon. Um, She ran the Chicago Marathon just this past weekend with all the other MDRT ladies who... um, we're out there and she just had a wonderful race. I'm so proud of her. So on this episode, she shares her running experience and about her life and her super interesting job. Um, if uh, you were ever curious as to what she does for a living, um, please take a listen and I hope uh, you enjoy this conversation. I do want to uh, let you know, as always, we did have um, at this this time only one kind of glitch while she was speaking about an interaction with the mother of one of uh, the cases that she had done um, and they randomly had met at um, a pre-marathon event and um, yeah, when you get to that part, it kind of cuts in and out, and you may not um, hear a little bit of the, about the story, but um, just be aware of that little glitch. Thank you for got you guys listening with grace. Um, I'm obviously not a professional podcaster. We are doing our best, um, and I know I'm definitely going to keep my day job, but uh, I'm doing my best to uh, bring you some good stories of these lovely ladies and um, please take a listen and enjoy my conversation with Alice. Hi Alice! Hello! How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for making time for me. Oh well thank you for even considering me. uh... I'm so excited. You were like really high on my list. I was like I need to get Alice to um on here so we can chit chat. Um we have never met in person. I cannot even believe that. I know. I feel like I know. It's it's a strange. Um, I was talking to some of the people I met in Chicago this week about how the strange uh, parallels of MDRT. How I know. You feel like you know someone. And I was yeah. trying to explain this to yeah. my husband. And it's, right. it's uh, like, you know them, but then you meet someone. them in real life. And you're like, yeah. no, I really know them. <laughs> yeah. You know, my friend Laura or my friend Alice, who I literally have never even seen in person but I know all about her so exactly how are you feeling today can you walk can you, uh, you know walk it's... like a normal person well yeah you know despite the great um banana slippage incident of mile 22 <laughs> uh we I had a little bit of a split lip and I have some bruising but I am actually doing all right it was a strange sensation not having um run a marathon before I didn't know what the recovery time was and then we have some pretty all-star athletes in our group who probably are used to this for me I it's like, oh, I do a half and usually in like a day, I'm like, okay, I can start running again. Right. I felt my lower back. And I don't know if that's just because I'm, you know, geriatric mom or what, but I was like, <laughs> that's what hurt most Sunday night of the race. And then the next day and the airplane ride. And then strangely, my arms were what was hurting like two days out. But I mean, afterwards you, I felt fine. Um, you, 
you were moving your entire body for like five hours out there. And, I know. Know, like even it just was... standing up for five hours, like <laughs> makes your body hurt, like much less running. <laughs> I know it's crazy to think about that. And I retrospectively, I'm like, man, if I hadn't lost the 20 minutes at the potty stop and all the things I could have done better, but I'm like, wow, I actually did yeah. that. Never thought yeah. I'd say I did that. <laughs> no, you are a marathoner. Well, to back up, um, let's introduce you to everyone on um, the MDRT world. If you have been living under a rock and don't know who Alice Briones is, um, what, do you, what do you do, Alice? I am a forensic pathologist for the Department of Defense, um, and I'm I'm actually in the Air Force. That that's not impressive <laughs> at all. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you're, are you a medical examiner for the U S um, air force? Is that right? Or yes, actually I'm the, um, so there are very few of us in the world, actually medical examiners, but in the DOD, very few of us. And I'm the deputy director of the armed forces medical examiner system. So I'm the second in um, command and we are under the defense health agency at Dover air force base in Delaware. So, um, we have actually have three divisions. We have uh, medical examiners, DNA operations, and a forensic tox lab. It's about 250 people. So Wow. <laughs> I just want to say that. Wow. We have a lot of very impressive uh, people in our, I mean, in our group, so I really don't very, think I stand out too much. But <laughs> Very, very impressive. Um, and we'll get back to your job because we definitely have to talk about that. But because you have just run your first marathon ever. Um, I know. I still can't believe that. I'm kind of like, did that really happen? I think it happened. You are a marathoner, Alice. Woo! Dr. Alice. So you ran the Chicago Marathon. Um, how was your buildup for training for a marathon? How was that? You know, I have to say it was been because of this group, which are a bunch of awesome enablers, by the enablers, way. Enablers, yes, I know. We're like, go ahead, run that marathon, <laughs> sure. run that race. Like, yeah. you can do it. Between my shoe pantry benefiting from this, which is amazing, and um, the me just, yeah. I, but it's been, I would have never thought to even have done this had it not been for this group. And I truly mean that because I've done half marathons. Um, and they're kind of, uh, for me, you know, my whole thing about running is showing a good example to my daughter of a way to channel stress. I like, it's a good way for me to get rid of, we all have stresses in our different life, let alone work and otherwise. And, um, as I get older, you know, being physically fit and trying to maintain things that aren't as easy to maintain at an older age, <laughs> you know, this has been a yep. good way to me to do that. So then this group, I just happened to put in for this application for this, not for the Chicago and the lottery and yeah whoop, we're like happened. put your name in what's yeah. the chance that you'll actually get in it's okay and, don't think about it when you get into the lottery. well yeah and I love Chicago actually it's one of my favorite cities anyway so any excuse to go there wasn't let alone to meet a hundred plus awesome MDRT badass right. women you know yeah but so when this came to fruition I kind of got that application and went oh wow I guess I better get myself <laughs> together on this so um my my training compared to some people was really pretty recreational as as many of us in this group I have a pretty busy schedule between call in addition to my work here which is you know kind of carry the phone on call all the time when yeah I, and you leave I have some contract jobs I do out of state so I travel quite a bit so yeah unfortunately um most of my training as most of you know is on been on the treadmill which I know is a deficit so I try to get the miles in put inclination inclinations in and some things but I understood my training was very recreational to some people I could have done more with my diet could have done more with my strength you know things that I need to do but don't like to do so I'm not so good about this (laughs) 
But yeah, for that, I actually, you know, results in, results out. You know, my goals were pretty low. It was basically to finish and finish before the sweep bus. So I feel like that was accomplished. Looking back, could I have more? Yes, but um. No, you were nowhere near the sweeping bus. You were, you know, (laughs) you were solidly, considering you got to potty a couple times and you fell in the, you know, at the end of the race and had to pick yourself back up, like you (laughs) finished pretty, um, pretty solidly, I would say. There's one Um, thing to be definitely said, though, seeing those other little on the crowd was great. Chicago's a great, nice flat course. We have beautiful weather. Of course, it's windy, but, um, you know, it's a windy city, but people and then seeing it's really crazy seeing an mdrt tank top seeing yeah you go up and they smile and that uh that little five second interval or longer depending on if the person like there were several mdrts let alone crawling from the sidelines that little boost having been for in america never been in a marathon was a unique and enlightening experience for me that yeah. I cannot really articulate right it was pretty i mean i imagine emotional just to you know, sure. see the yeah. cheers and like people patting you on the back and be like, I'm an MDRT too. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. And amazing. we had people, and I believe there were some other people that saw this too. When they saw the shirts, they're like, wow, you're a doc and a marathoner. I'm like, well, we're <laughs> almost a marathoner. We're not there yet. You're telling me I'm close. I'm not there yet. <laughs> right. So. And a mother. Don't yes. forget that yeah. part. You're like, <laughs> basically a superhero like you well, know. She's, she's the big reason I do this and um, we had um you know intentions of having a, a larger family as I'm an only child but you know as waiting to be what I call a geriatric mom almost 40 with my first child there's you know makes it so it's more comfortable to raise a child but because of that we only have the one so she is uh she and my husband you know are my life and uh I I love my work but I also work to work hard to play hard and right. play hard for them so and none of this would have happened and surprisingly my my husband is completely disengaged with running he likes he's <laughs> one, he's the he was the first race that he attended locally he took the beer ticket and he's like, wait, you run the half marathon and I get the beer ticket. I can support this. Right. So you get something and I get something. (laughs) Right. So he actually was sending me um, messages. My daughter sent me a video before the, I feel like it was a big event. The one you posted where yes. she's sick. Yeah. It literally like broke my, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how she's, you know, not crying right now. Um, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, away from her, but she's she's pretty amazing. But um, I, I do it to set a good example to her and try to show her that you know you don't have to be stopped by things. You you choose your battles and you make the best of things. And and I use exercises, especially and this group as a, as you had mentioned is a, re- a really big outlet and something I look forward to. I'm not usually, um, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on a lot of stuff, but this group out of <laughs> what I post on Facebook is what I post all the time. I post coffee, running, and and basically that's kind of, kind of a boring person, but those are the things I post. Yeah. So, but it's something I look forward to. My feed is mostly filled up with MDRT. Right. I feel right. like I know you as a sisterhood. So yes, yeah, I embrace that and I enjoy Aww. it. It's a big part of my life. I mean, so and we really love, cool. we love to see your posts. Can you talk me through the race a little bit um as you you know just um you know your first marathon like as you were starting like it's a beautiful gorgeous day um I am did you start with anyone were you (laughs) running with someone um well remember I did this as the lottery so I kind of took my worst half marathon times it by two and added 45 minutes so I was in a faraway land called Corral L and I don't know anybody (laughs) else that was in that 
And that was fine. That was probably appropriate for me to be there. But no, so I had the privilege of having that hospitality um, tent. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Renee was there and we were able to um, be in there together, which which I recommend if you if people can um, do that because of the, the private potties. Yeah, um, I didn't partake of the food, but they had places you could plug your phone in. There was a private potty and the heat on that yeah. particularly was nice. And you're away from the wind. Then they like corralled us up to take us to the corrals at the appropriate time. So we weren't out there longer than we needed to be. Right. So, oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Especially yeah. it's very luxurious. Yes. And I, well, <laughs> I figured it was only going to do this once was my intent. So, you know, if I'm going to do it once, I'll do it right. I'll go all out. Oh, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> you're so naive (laughs) but I well and so got to the corral it was kind of interesting because people were like stripping bathrobes and other things that again I don't really see too much of that at a half marathon no that's that's all normal stuff we all are wearing our crazy stuff our scrub um we bring like scrub stuff yeah the OR robes OR robes yeah Yeah. so so there was our bathrobes going on and yeah. it was just, um, I had my own, I, I had some little logistical errors with my headphones. So when those finally got to work, I did was afraid they'd turn off. So I kind of didn't hear a lot of the pre-race music and stuff, except for the national anthem. I pulled the earplugs out and stuff like that. Got to see the big screen where when people took off. So I don't think I actually crossed the start till almost about nine o'clock. It was right before nine o'clock. Okay. But there was the energy um, as experienced by any runners, even even at a half, you get this this positive energy, a lot of excitement. People just like, let's go. You're kind of ready. Let's do this. And I felt that for almost the first six miles. But then yeah. I also felt like, wow, I think I might have had a little too much hydration. So I was like, in a half, I usually kind of fluid restrict a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, I was like, oh, man, I don't want to have to stop at mile six to use the restroom. But that's what we ended up doing. And I lost. Well, it was unavoidable because, you know, there were lines. But there was just some interesting interactions. Um, like I said, just waiting for that was about maybe 12 to 17 minutes. of Really? That's a quite a line. Yeah. And the, and the funny thing was, is out of all the interactions I've had, you know, runners are pretty friendly species in general. And this this lady, it was a strange interaction. She came right off the course and like looked right at me and she was like, I only have to pee. And I was thinking, yeah, that's yeah, everybody that's why I have to. And I think that... she wanted me to let her go. And I'm like, I've already been here 12 minutes and I'm the clock right. picking and I'm already worried yeah. about the bus. So I'm like, ah, oh, no. And so I kind of lost my groove after that whole thing. And, uh, and I'm sorry and... for that interaction. I can't even believe that that had happened like it's comical well, now but it was like it she is thought comical I, was, I don't know what she thought I was gonna have some backblast situation in there or what yeah. but it was it was and I was like well maybe she's just nervous she was worried about her time too or something but once I finally got the group back on things were going well this positive energy like you said beautiful weather sunny day my logistically closed there was I had appropriately applied all gliding things. Yes. The chase situation was under control. (laughs) Yes, because actually with this training, I've gained a little weight and I'm a little bigger than I like to be. So the chafe on like some parts on the thighs example, for example, was something I've never had before because my legs are a little bit bigger. So I was worried about that, but it ended up being fine. Um, And then things were I slowed down definitely after the 13 mile mark I well I slowed because if you look at my time at six it had gone down because of the stop but picking yeah. up was I was feeling really strong those first six miles and I know that's kind of comical in a 26.2 mile race but if I hadn't stopped I wondered how much I would have been able to maintain that you know yeah so that's retrospectively it seems clear but who knows and then um energy was good I saw a few of the MDRT people before I'd made that bathroom stop 
And then I just, that's one reason I never wanted to stop. And I was worried about this whole thing with stopping with the water stops. I had asked that on the MDRT feed for a while because I know once I stop, it's a little difficult to get going again. That's true. It's better to slow down than actually stop. So we finally got things geared up and going again. It was a little bit slower rate. And then I think things were, look at, I felt like every, the energy was really good. And then mile 18, I think it was, my ankle, the same ankle, the, the one that I had the Achilles injuries on, just like gave out. And I was like, gomer to ground. Boom. Whoa. I don't even remember. And the only thing I remember is there were two very attractive young runners that came up and picked me up. And I was like, okay, I do not want to look like a wimp here. And like, <laughs> mainly it was my ego. That was a little bruised more than anything else. Yeah. And, um, but I actually mentally was like, oh man, what the heck's going on? I was feeling so good, even though I was slow, but I was like moving and making progress. And I was getting text messages from my husband who is normally not engaged in these things. He's like, you're cruising along, you're out of the park. He was like actually giving me updates, which was, Aww, I could see on the watch. So sweet. And then but they were tracking you. Yeah. And he's usually not involved in this. So that, I guess my daughter was like screaming at the phone and engaged in that too. Um, like she was actually watching the little t- tacker go along and stuff. So that was fun. To think, yeah. usually, you know, I've done enough halves that they don't really get too excited about that anymore. But this was, they knew this was a big thing for me. This was a bucket list thing. I wanted, you know, to do this particular race because of my dad, who, you know, he he passed away very suddenly, unexpectedly at 57. He was actually <sighs> one. So, you know, I figured of all things, I want to do this before I'm 50 because I know this is a genetic thing, probably, you know, just bad genes or whatever. And so, and he worked for Abbott 30 years. So I thought, how appropriate. So, you know, right. try to channel those good energies. So then I ran into um, Allison Carden actually around that. Oh, yeah. It was mile eight. It was right after I had fallen. And I was mentally just kind of starting to be like, what the heck am I doing? And <laughs> things, not yeah, I think most thing. of us start to think that around mile 18 to 20. So you're right on track. Okay. Yeah. So this is a normal pattern of events. <laughs> no, it's a normal pattern. <laughs> The first six miles are like you're a superhero. You're going right. to win the race. Like everything's awesome. This is the most fun I've ever had. And I'm literally going to win the Chicago Marathon. And then, yeah, around 18 to 20 is like you start reconsidering all of life's choices. Like every choice yes. you've made up until then. So exactly. yeah, you're right. You're right on track there. <laughs> but then I saw her and it was, like I said, I wrote in my little, uh, my attempt at a race report um, was like the angel that saved me like she and I were talking she was so positive and I was trying to remain positive and I told her I said if it hadn't been for you there I probably would have dropped more than a few bad words and other things and you know she really kept me on point and I got me back into I was starting to just walk jog and then she got me on and I was jogging again and things felt she got me up to about mile it was about mile 21 and a half things were good I was getting back into a slow but a groove again and then became the banana incident of mile 22 so uh, i mean I was... <laughs> why are there thousands of bananas and uh, like on a marathon I, I haven't even um i don't remember seeing bananas on the course last year so well anybody who knows me non-runners like since i was a kid has known i absolutely hate bananas so there's the irony of this goes beyond the level of just being right. my first marathon like, that's so, the last thing that I would choose to eat during a marathon or even okay. want to see basically even even uh like when you go to a half I mean of course I wish I liked I really actually do wish I liked bananas because they're everywhere they're you know compact they're right. wrapped they're, but 
So when you see this at a race, you can smell them. I can't stand the smell. So then it's like literally a minefield of these half banana carcasses yeah. everywhere. And yeah. I order refill my, I figure, okay, I'm going to top off the handheld for the water one last time before I go in uh, for the last, you know, push per se. Yeah. And I don't want to have to stop and I'm not going to have to use the restrooms. I'm just going to keep pressing. And the guy that had, they had these big, um, I don't know if they were gallon jugs of water that they were topping off the waters with. He turned away and walked. And so for me to get to him, I had to, I was on the tangent to go straight towards him, which was right through this cluster of nasty banana carcasses. And that actually hurt more than the initial fall because my knee twisted one way. I went, flip my leg. Yeah, it was not graceful by any stretch. And and so that just mentally messed with me a little bit because I'm like, I am not going down at mile 22 because of some flipping banana trails right. of all things. And now I laugh about it because there's an irony of how there much is definitely an irony about it. But still, I mean, it, it, yeah. I'm sure it sucked at the time. So it actually hurt. I actually, my knee no, kind that, of blew up a little bit. You posted pictures that looked really, really painful. Um, it, and then it's you, just, I didn't actually realize you split your lip. Like, yeah, my lip's still healing. You hit your <laughs> face. Like, you, I hit my elbow, face, and um, well, I bit my lip is what it was on the inside. Oh, when I went okay. And then because I had the handheld, I didn't like put my hand out. Probably good. I didn't, and I had gloves and sleeves on, so it protected some of the scraping on the upper extremities. But I still got bruises. But yeah, all because of bananas. So my my, <laughs> but then um, then a lot really those last the last part of the race and I know people who do these races regularly or have a lot of experience with this probably don't well they probably feel this too but I was really it was there were people from the group that were giving updates like through my phone that I could see now that I have one of these Apple watches I could see them without messing with my phone yeah my earphones died around that time too so mentally it was like everything was starting to sort of crumble and I was like no no <laughs> like at least the music would keep me channeled and then the earphones died and right like, you're like god so, damn it what, exactly. what? <laughs> you're like I and, to to my music. <laughs> and, and ironically one of the last songs was on is so I did this like ridiculously long playlist just that the battery didn't know it was like I'm like Elton John I'm still standing I kid you not and I'm like Aww. this is not funny so I was just like and that's a slow version of usually I have a pretty good mixture of like angry metal music and other things but so I was like okay this is not good so I was starting to get messages from there were several people that really just were sending some positive vibes they were giving me updates you crossed the 40k you've crossed this in addition to running into some people there were people that already finished the race from our group really strong runners yeah like yourself you know really strong you know out there really fast runners <laughs> so they were cheering me on and seeing them and hearing that yeah. and just that MDR was really what pushed me through that I Aww. actually was able to run that last part um there were the, like I said the the group that was there in addition to the support I received online as I went through this adventure was unique because I'm pretty um you know, I'm a pretty wash and go, low maintenance type of person. I, I know, like I said, my training was recreational. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have all the stuff that knew it helped me, but I did what I could trying to put the time in. I'll put the work in with what I could. Right. And I felt like the support was there, even though I felt like, well, maybe my training was pretty recreational and not up there, but I can do this because I have, I have a squad. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird. The squad includes a lot of people, but it was obviously very MDRT heavy. And that sounds kind of cheesy, but I truly felt that. And, um, you know, the people I met there, I mean, I've never met you, but I always feel, you know, I, 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 I enjoy seeing your posts and your family. I see, you know, there's that, that camaraderie that really comes through that 
when athletes of all levels can come together really can make them perform better and that helped me get through and then the icing on the cake per se in addition to meeting with more mdrt individuals throughout the rest of the week was the weekend <clears throat> excuse me was when i had paul radcliffe actually put my so that's i mean so you're like you know on your last like 200 meters 100 meters you're closing in you're like i'm going to be done with this this race and you finally cross the finish line and is she just right there is that what happened there were several lines for getting the medals and i saw her and i just kind of gravitated over there and <laughs> of course I was, like, I was like okay she's probably really over everybody asking her for a selfie but i'm like i'm only doing one marathon yeah I'm only going to do this once. I'm going to ask. And so I, she gave me the medal. I said, hey, you know, I know you've been doing this all day. I'm kind of at the end of the day, slower runner, but it's my first marathon. Would you mind taking a, a picture with me? Very gracious, smiled. And I said, it's my first marathon. And she's like, that's great. It won't be your last. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be my last. <laughs> like, that's what you say. And, you know, so she took the picture. And what a, what a moment. And I walked a good, you know, it's funny because I was looking at my watch afterwards and several other runners from the group were saying the same thing. There, as much as I walk ran throughout the race more than I wanted to between the potty stops and everything else, there were a lot of people who were walking pretty early on, and I wasn't expecting that, and maybe that's because of the corral I was in. So there was a little bit of zigzagging. So when I looked at the actual end of race, what my watch had, which I know is not entirely accurate, I was at like 27.8 miles. Oh, yeah. So that surprised me because, of course, the other tracking is what you walk all day. The steps or something was at 30-some miles. But (laughs) I was like, yeah, it it's weird because the the watch had been off of at least about a 0.8 of a mile most of the time I was hitting markers on the watch before I would see the mile markers yeah and I realized there was a lot like there were a couple walking holding hands just stuff I wasn't expecting once it thinned out like past mile eight you didn't see that as much but I was a little surprised when I saw that but this was all new to me yeah. so you know, yeah. I, you know well soon it won't be when you do your second third and fourth marathon <laughs> you will be you know, very seasoned veteran giving um, other people advice on how to run a good marathon uh, after this, once we uh, enable you to sign up for. Oh, yeah. I think maybe I feel like if I were to do another one, I would maybe want it where I'd had a time that could really commit to the training. And I'm not saying I didn't commit mile wise. I just feel like there's some things I definitely could have done. Right. And I got some good advice from people in the in the group, both at Chicago and otherwise that were like things to, to look be on the lookout for and stuff that was extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, that event in particular, I mean, I love Chicago, but the expo, the people that were there, the dinners before, the dinners after, just meeting people, the boat was such a great event. Yeah. Similar to when I did the half in Phoenix last year, just meeting some of the people that you feel like you know already. And, and I think that they mirrored some of the same opinions, you know, you feel like, you know, these people, my, my husband's like, this is kind of akin to like a weird online dating it is. Thing. It's so weird. Like, yeah. I, you know, my husband would say the same thing. You'd be like, you're meeting who, and you're meeting your fake online friends that, you know, you've never met before. And he's like, do I need to like have a tracker on you that someone like will come and like kidnap you or, or who are these weird people? I'm like, no, no, they're legit. They're my friends. They're my friends. Right. So that's the first time, (laughs) the first time I met someone from the group was actually Emmy 
who you uh, you yes. are in yeah yes amazing emmy and i met her when i was at a conference in seattle and it was like a morning run and my husband's like uh do i need to track you yeah. you're gonna meet this <laughs> random person at six in the morning i'm like yeah and then we're gonna go have coffee and talk about how great it was and he's like okay i'll be tracking <laughs> and it was the most amazing meetup and it was great yeah. and um and so it's strange but very cool i'm very thankful for it it is strange but you know i i am so thankful for it um I wanted to talk about, I mean, we've talked about running and we may get back to it, but I want to talk about your, um, your job a little bit, if we can. Okay. I I know it's like some of it's top secret, honestly, you can't talk about some of it, Um, it (laughs) but I, you travel a lot. Um, What is it that you're, you know, are you assigned to certain cases, I'm guessing, that bring you to some far distant lands? Is that right? Right. Actually, um, I don't travel as much as I did when I first came to the office. So we get involved in cases based on um, Title 10, uh, which is our the jurisdiction of why we get certain cases. Most of the cases people think of when they think of Dover Air Force Base are military members deployed, whether it's overseas. Um, usually people think Afghanistan and otherwise, and they'll come to the Dover Court Mortuary for final disposition or funeral dress and prep. But before that, um, they fall under our jurisdiction and we are um, by statute required to establish cause and manner of death as well as identification mm. to provide answers to the family. Yeah. And um, that's what the cases we do here at Dover. There are other cases um, because of where someone dies that we will get involved. So if someone dies on a base that's in North Carolina and that area of the base is federal exclusive, which means the local jurisdiction wouldn't be doing an investigation and it's a forensic autopsy, we can be called to do the case. Got it. I I used to do a lot more of that traveling when I first came to the office in uh, 2009 through uh, the first six years short notice travel our medical examiners will get a call we'll have to travel maybe five o'clock the next morning travel rent a car go to the place do a case and then often the next morning you're back traveling back home Hmm. um there are other locations a lot of the traveling i do now because of my position in the office requires briefings working um whether it's overseas or here briefing about the past accounting community we work with the um Some of the agencies that you may have heard about that um, our DNA lab does the identifications of past conflicts, people from World War II, the Oklahoma. We have the technology here at the DNA lab here to do human identification and um, repatriate those remains back to those family members. And those family members, and I used to be the director of the DNA lab, the conflicts and the deaths that occur you think it's a past conflict may not be as sore or as hard felt, but when you're able to bring those family members home, it's just like it happened yesterday. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, the amount of, you know, comfort that you give people, you know, to finally have the remains of their loved ones. So they have no story. They have, they're just have disappeared. And it really causes, obviously, a lot of pain and suffering to just not know and to, to right. finally bring someone home. Um, I mean, you know, we think of doctors as, as healing people, living people. Um, and, you know, we don't think of as doctors as examiners and pathologists. Right. And I think kind of a joke of the pathologists, like, oh, they're just people that, like, don't like people. But... <laughs> right. Radiologists get that too a lot. Right. And ironically, we 
um, one thing that people don't realize, particularly forensic pathology, but uh, hospital pathologists as well, they need to be able to talk to people. We talk to family members. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, so you think of running, you think of the stories you hear of probably young person in their 20s collapse, whether it's a fitness test or some other event. Those looking for those channelopathies, being able to report findings back to the family and see if they have other children. Are they being screened? Are they being looked at? Yeah. Things that may be having to do with cause and manner of death. But as a forensic pathologist, additionally, sometimes these individuals have obviously they're dealing with grief. So with our cases, the family members can call us the day of the case. They can call us 10 years from the case. And sometimes we'll get cases where. Every anniversary of the death, the family member may call and it's part of the closure for them. Or we may not have all the answers based on the um, autopsy, toxicology and histology findings, but they feel they know we've looked for everything or they don't have the closure yet. And they just want someone to talk to. And a lot of people don't think of a forensic pathologist filling that part. But we meet with family members and the same thing with the past accounting. We work with the defense POW MIA accounting teams go through the genealogies, go through the best family members for family references, things like that. It's, it's kind of different than the acute um, cases that we deal with uh, more combat. And also, you know, we're seeing when we do these cases stateside that we travel, like I said, it's a federal exclusive area. We're not just dealing with active duty service members. We're also dealing with dependents, um, using that term by the military terms of someone who is in the care of or being um, supported by a family member that could be children sure. and that could be a, a spouse. Spouses um, have access to medical care. They have access to prescriptions. They have access to other things. Children, our children are exposed to a lot more than we were maybe, or definitely me being an older parent. Um, so there's a lot out there that affects the civilian sector that you may not think is in our population. That is both toxicology and other um things we see whether it's through social media channels there's good sides of social media but we all know there's some scary stuff being a mom nowadays and especially me being as a forensic pathologist oh my goodness yes. <laughs> i try not to be the helicopter mom and my you think of everything that can harm your child yeah. being a, a yeah. forensic pathologist <laughs> yeah and i know we all do that to a certain extent but yeah my husband's like yeah you're not allowed to watch jujitsu practice you're not allowed to go to swimming practice yeah. you won't just sit up there so you know there's <laughs> things you got to be aware of but these are things we can try to provide um, not only explanations to the family members, but we serve a big public health role as well. Those vital statistics we provide, the trends and tracks we're seeing, both toxicology, infectious disease, um, just patterns of behavior, uh, you know, things like that. We are responsible as forensic pathologists to report back, both in the civilian sector and in the military. And it customizes some of the things the military tracks, as well as what you see in your vital statistics for each state. So did you always know that you wanted to do this kind of work? Like when you went into medical school or when you, um, yeah. Yeah. Funny story. Um, I actually had no plans going to medical school. Oh, really? (laughs) When I I went to the university of Maine Orno, many moons ago, I was went to school for medical technology, uh, basically doing the lab tests. I always loved science, loved the lab. Uh, I always liked Case Scarpetta and the, um, you know, the Patricia Cornwell books and, and the fictional aspect of forensics. But and then I worked as a lab manager in the Air Force for six years. And I worked with some really great mentors and pathologists. And they're like, why didn't you ever try to go to med school? And and you're like, huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I went and took the MCAT cold. I do not recommend doing that. Uh, and <laughs> of course realized... you did, Alice, because you're a badass. That <laughs> well, actually, it doesn't to... surprise me at all. So I said, yeah, we need to do a little more work on that. So I went and took like a Kaplan course. 
got some guidance, retook it and applied. And the only way I was able to go to medical school was that I got the health profession scholarship through the military. During medical school, I actually um, enjoyed quite a few different rotations, but I always end up going back to pathology. I actually liked, um, I liked the OR part of OB-GYN. Yeah. I liked actually doing the gynoc surgeries, um, C-sections. I did not care for clinic actually too much. <laughs> But I, anything that was like OR and um, that type of stuff, I really enjoyed. Yeah. And then I ended up being fortunate enough to have some really great mentors in my pathology residency, yeah. great rotations, and ended up getting a fabulous fellowship in University of New Mexico. Uh, Dr. Zumwalt uh, was my big mentor along with other people, and I got some great training. And uh, things just happened to work out. Uh, a lot of hard work yeah. and of everything, like everybody else who's in medicine. Um, but it was kind of the convoluted road and kind of like my marathon. I eventually yeah. got there. <laughs> but were, um, were you yeah. with your husband this whole time? He get, was. Yeah. Uh, this... It's funny because when we were when I was a lab manager and I came home and I said, "Hey, I'm thinking of applying to med school." He says, "Okay, I guess we're doing this then." So Aww. he's been a huge support. Again, couldn't have done it without him. He's given up a lot. In fact, he gave up when I went and moved to fellowship and then in order for us to have a child uh my my mother's up in maine his mother's in texas we're completely alone we don't have a nanny we don't have any of that stuff so he's given up his uh career for truck driving and everything else he used to be military as well and he is a full-time dad and he's a way better dad than i would be he's like a super dad wow. he's got the pinterest snacks for everything he's got the schedule he is the most amazing super dad this big hispanic six foot four guy yeah this girl this girl's got him whipped i mean (laughs) so i'm very lucky so where did you guys meet because it sounded like you've known him for like a very long time yeah i met him actually when i was a combat medic army reservist at fort meade maryland which is ironic we kind of came back to the east coast where we met in the dc maryland area he was full-time active duty as a medic and i was doing my reserve time and I hadn't started an IV in a long time, and he was the victim of me practicing it. And <laughs> still asked me out. Yeah, poor, poor guy. He had a little bit of a bruise there after I tried to yeah. start an IV. But, um, yeah, so he's been, you know. And that was even before tonight. you went to medical school. You um... That is correct. That was 93, 94. I was still in college. Yep. And I got Aww. my commission in the Air Force, and we were living off of ramen noodles for a while. Yeah. And, uh, know that because i was able to get through school without any school loans and then you know then you're broke you didn't have didn't any have loans oh my goodness yeah it was a it was rough it was a rough time yeah. but uh, you know and then eventually the med school so we've been we've been through some stuff like many couples but yeah. that's why we waited a while to have the little ajb that yes. we, we feel pretty coffee bean yeah. outlet uh, outlet yes. as we yes as you and we call him the spousal unit um the spousal unit yes that's right he puts up with a lot yeah. he uh He's a, he, he doesn't like running, but he lets me, he knows that I'm much more uh, likable to live with when I'm able to run. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, he lets me do what I need to do. He sounds, he sounds amazing. Um, does Autumn like sports or what is she into? She likes the running because I give her my medals. Like, <laughs> this one I held on to a little right, bit. I yeah. Given this one's for one. mommy one. for a little bit. Yeah. This one's for mommy for a little bit. Um, she is actually an avid swimmer and she's actually got some swim team right. trials coming out. I think I've out. seen some of those. And some jujitsu. Um, I think she doesn't enjoy that as much as swimming because swimming's more fun, but she likes the competitive part of that. Yeah. She talks about running. She's done two 5Ks with me, run, walk. So she does all right. But um, yeah, maybe later on, but she really likes swimming, jujitsu, and she does dance. So we'll see where it all Aww. goes. I mean, she is seven. Is that right? Because I feel like she's yes. the same age as. 
London, yes. my yep. youngest. She's seven. She's, a, she's one of the younger ones in her second grade class because of her birthday being in August. But she is – seven is a fun age. It I, is. I really enjoy it. Like, she's very – got her own personality. And sometimes I wonder where the, the sass factor comes. And I'm like, what did you just say? But, <laughs> um, it's, it's fun, too. In the right context, it's fun. Sometimes I'm like, you did not just – But, yeah. <laughs> you know, we all live with that as being moms. Exactly. So it's, it's a privilege, and I feel – feel pretty fortunate um she understands my travel schedule she knows mommy mommy works hard so we can play hard and we can we're going to get ready we're going to see harry potter so she's very excited about that yeah you're telling me um or you're going to florida is that right Mm -hmm. yep for vacation you're gonna do harry potter and do all like the orlando stuff Mm -hmm. yep we were there um (laughs) well i went there over labor day and you know what great mom takes their family into a storm I did so I was like okay this we ended up leaving early we had one really great day VIP tour which was wonderful but we're making we're using the tickets um now over the veterans day weekend I got it that so she's been looking forward to that she's been obsessed with Harry Potter we're reading the books and uh this is good because she doesn't care for reading as much as math and science but uh this is something that I can get her engaged in so it's very advanced I don't think my daughter I think London couldn't read. I mean, do you read it to her? She, you guys I take- read it to her and I try to do the voices and um, I try to be pretty animated to get her attention, but we're trying to get her to read more on her own yeah. because, because she's, I don't know, it just doesn't interest her. She doesn't embrace the reading, which almost breaks my heart a little bit because I was an avid reader growing up, but she has her own strengths. So I'm trying to, yeah. you know, encourage all, but I think of reading as the portal to everything else. Right. So we got to make sure she has the comprehension. Yeah. So we're working. With I remember my middle girl, she didn't really, she is an avid reader now. She's 12, but mm-hmm. she, it took her a couple years to get there, you know, like it, right. you know, um, and you just keep on going, but I think like it was nine or 10 where she just started like reading like crazy. Like we couldn't get her to stop reading basically. So it may be coming, you know, you just, right. you just uh, don't. She's yeah. way more advanced in math than I could ever be. And looking right. at her homework, I don't know how I'm going to be able to help her <laughs> because it's really crazy to some of the way you have to justify how you got to the ends to the means. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. But right. um, you know, she, my husband is the one that does all the extra reading stuff with her because often I'm at work pretty late yeah. and or traveling. So the only reason she's doing so well is because of him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so well, what is your what is your everyday um, life look like in when you're at home? Because I know you travel a lot. Is it, uh, do you have to be at the base? all day long and you come home late or yeah generally um well because I try to be around to make sure she, to get her I don't take her to the bus but generally I, I don't have to be at work until about eight fifteen to eight thirty, unless there's a case that I'm doing and then I try to be on base at, at the office in the scrubs and ready to roll in the back um by seven thirty. but if there's no case I usually can get here between eight fifteen and eight thirty. um and then I'm usually between meetings and things going on I usually leave between I don't know six and sometimes six thirty because with my position I do a lot of the reviews of the other individuals cases as well as the um, reviewing the DNA for the past accounting I see so there's a lot more administrative that I do versus when I do the contract jobs it's nice because I don't have to do all the personnel stuff so I can just go and do cases yeah so I'm cranking cases and it's just you know steady cases steady cases I can be one of the 
um, worker bees. And I don't mean yeah. that minimally. I love doing cases, but here it's more personnel, administrative stuff in addition to cases. Yeah. So. And you like doing, I mean, we're talking cases, we're talking autopsies. Are we not? Yes. Yes. And yes. you don't, I mean, people always ask me like, oh, you know, delivering babies, it's so gross. Like it's, you know, we're in, you know, a not a romantic, like a clean right. area, like, you know, right. babies no. are pooping on us, mommies are pooping on us. But I mean, autopsy, does it ever, I don't know, register to you that it's kind of gruesome and gross? It's it's actually a pretty uh, violent procedure when you think yeah. about it. Uh, so, but for me, it's like, so for example, just to, if there are certain, sometimes what I call the living dead smell, I call it the internal medicine smell, uh-huh. like the uranic smell, yeah. that grosses me out more than decomp. So it's whatever you get used to, I guess. Right. Um, so so when I'm training people, because we do a lot of, you know, train fellows, med students and residents, if the decomp is bothering them, they're I not, said, you got you to stop walking in and out of the room. You got to think of it as like when you bake cookies, you go in, you're going to smell. Yeah. Go in. But once you're there, be nose blind to it, right? Yeah. And then people like, oh, I'm going to use Vicks. And I'm like, yeah, well, that'll just open up all the airways. You yeah. won't smell it anymore. <laughs> so it's a common thing, the CSI effect, you know, people think they that this is what you do. And then the reality is not as glamorous per se, or it's grosser. A lot of people, when they think of the military, you know, um, medical examiners, they automatically think of, oh, there's a movie called Saving Chance or things like that. That's actually the mortuary side. That's all like the funeral home side and very important. And of course, we work in hand with them. But our part is the gruesome side. Yeah, no, you are trying to figure out, you're going in these bodies. First of all, you have to examine every part of a decomposed or blown up body. Um, Let's keep it real here. And Mm -hmm. and yeah, then you have to go inside the body and like figure out what happened. Um, And uh, we have to gather evidence. We have to, you know there's you know a decomposed body has its own challenges of can you really see range of fire if the skin is decomposed we never get you know do we get all, have they been to the emergency room you're not going to have the clothes to see if they're on the shirt where the bullet hole is because they're doing life-saving measures in the emergency room saving the clothes is not going to be their top priority did they slam a chest tube through the stab wound well yeah they're trying to get life-saving measures yes. but then they don't tell you that so these are things you have to sort out hmm. and put the puzzle together yeah. but that's what makes it interesting and if i can I know I'm good at what I'm doing and I get the right answers to the right people. It can help other people. Yeah. I guess that's how I look at it. And that's a weird thing to think of with forensics. How am I helping anyone versus, you know, you're delivering babies or you're saving people in the emergency room or you're diagnosing. So, I mean, there's different ways and we all work to do the greater good. Right. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. I mean, you're doing a tremendous service, like giving, give, getting answers um, to loved ones. I mean, I can't even think of something, you know, more important than that. Their loved one has just passed away, has died. And, um, the mystery of it all, just to, to know exactly what was going on is, is really so important, I'm sure. And I'm sure you've heard from family members of how important that information is to them. So ironically, um, weird thing happened to me when I did the air force half in September. So, uh, generally, when I do cases, other than talking to the family members, I try not to remember names. Yeah, um, trust uh, everybody has their own way of dealing with, you know, either depersonalizing or not. But doesn't mean you're not doing your job right. You're just trying to focus on the science. So, however you handle that. And um, one of the one of the things I happened, I was at the pasta dinner the night before the uh, the Air Force half, and I was talking to a lady there, and I didn't tell her what I did. 
And she's like, oh, where are you here from? And I said, I'm here from Delaware. I'm Air Force. I run this. I've been running this half marathon since 2015. It was my first race of any sort. So I have a little, you know, personal preference for it. It's a hard course, blah, blah, blah. Started telling me about her son. She was running the half in honor of her son. And it was the weird dimension of, I found out that Hello. Hello. Um, you cut out for a little bit. Um, can you? Oh, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can you back up to when she start? Um, this woman started talking to you at the pasta dinner. Through Dover, because he came here for an autopsy, and odds came out that I actually had performed. Usually. Obviously, I'd never had a family member discussion come up this way. She wow. And she hugged me. And um, it was a really, I was very humbled. But she found me the next day after the half and told me how much it meant to her that she found the person that had found the answers. And she never, because of the condition of her, her um, son's remains, she was not able to view him. And apparently the ability to read my report was able to give her the answers and she never called me not every family member calls you know they have the ability to do that and she sought me out after the half after she had already thanked me the night before and it's something Aww. like that that you know that actually caught me off guard as well and here yeah. I was another runner and she was a seasoned runner trail runner had done a marathon was excited when I was telling her because I was excited about Chicago coming up so the the five dimensions of how my job like tangentially got related to this through running uh strange thing but kind of a, 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 a yeah. heartwarming story in a sad situation yeah and i imagine i mean i'm sure family members uh do call you every now and then but it's not the same as like the obstetrician that like sees the patient all the time and sure you know, definitely gets feedback all the time they continue to be our patients so um that was you know amazing and sort of um yeah coincidental that she was even there well, it was her- weird because I just happened to pick that table because I I was completely by myself at that event which I usually go to by myself yeah and um I just happened to sit there and we just were talking about running I mean yeah like, and then she was <laughs> I was telling her I was preparing for Chicago I felt like I was doing the best I could but my training wasn't up to par and and she's like oh you know and and here she was, and I saw she had a dedication thing, and she's like, yeah, I'm running this half in honor of my son, and then, then the conversation just took from there, and I had to, like, brace myself a little bit, like, whoa, uh, this name now sounds familiar, even though I usually yeah. don't remember names, and right. the incident, and then the dates when it came through, and I'm like, holy mackerel, I, I know I did this this case, and, um, and it, the fact that I was able to deliver some answers in a very stressful situation especially when a family member can't actually say goodbye uh, yeah in a, in a I guess of seeing their yeah. loved one there's there's something to be said for that that provides a different type of grief and yeah. I, so oh that's amazing how do you explain your job to autumn do you uh, just tell her yeah you know, <laughs> it's, it's that's a that's an interesting question I kind of um I kind of just tell her I'm doing surgery now that, uh, that is, I mean, (laughs) you are, (laughs) I'm doing surgery. So there's one of the offices I work at has a big Lego display and my daughter's really into Legos right now. Yeah. I took a picture and it showed like the bodies going into what it was. The Lego display showed the bodies going into what they had as the reefer. And I said, Oh, this is after they have surgery where they go for their little resting place. And I (laughs) like that. 
and she she thought she thinks I'm just doing surgery but she also sees like she's really into Halloween and skulls I mean every kid's into Halloween but so yeah, I yeah. worry you know I don't want to seem too morbid about stuff but she loves science she um she thinks I'm just doing surgery and that's kind of what I leave it at and okay that's, that's one day. where we're at right now yeah. and I mean, we just call it that and she knows if I have to go in and I'm wearing the black scrubs I'm going in it's going to be a surgery day versus just a regular admin day and yeah we- now um to for her level of understanding and yeah. uh <laughs> yeah that's what we keep it i mean she's seven years old she doesn't right exactly have to know all the details of mm-hmm. of of everything she um what else in the air force and she knows i do surgery and that's about it so <laughs> yeah no that's 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 good enough do you have any i mean not races I don't know if you do have any races coming up I mean we told you and I've told you specifically Alice you need to rest (laughs) in the next you know week or two and um if you don't feel like running please don't run um because you just ran a marathon but do you have any other things going on in the rest of this year I do I have the uh Philadelphia half coming up oh right so we're gonna see each other oh perfect you're gonna do the full I'm going to do the full. I'm, I think my son is going to run the half. Um, he's oh, wow. signed up for it right now. But we'll oh, that's see. awesome. We'll see. Um, I don't want him to get injured. He's only 15. So mm-hmm. um, we're just, it's like one of these things. If he does it, he does it. If he doesn't, it's fine. Um, so yeah, that is, um, I mean, you probably don't know. I know. It's in five and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah. Five, five weeks from, actually five weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. It's yep. a fun, that course, I did the half last year and really liked it. It was pretty flat. It felt like a really good energy each mile. I don't yeah. know if you've run it before. Of course, I've never run the full. I've never, yeah, I've never run, yeah, the half or the full in Philly. It's, so. um, it kind of mirrored, although not exactly, of course, in terms of the energy felt each neighborhood, like, was out there. So the cool. temple band was out there playing yeah. at one mile and then... And then, so you go through all the different, I guess you call them boroughs in New York City, but they'd be, you know, different neighborhoods and there's a different energy and it was well run. I enjoyed it. So that's why I'm doing it again. And then I've got the Rehoboth um, half in December and I like that. Oh yes, I heard that's a great one. Yeah, I think if you look at, you know, those people who do races in each state. Of course, um, I usually do the Monster Mash, but that's this weekend, so clearly I'm not. That's a little local no. race here. No, <laughs> we're not no. going to do a race. No, <laughs> but um, the do- the the Rehoboth one is nice because I'm not going to say it's a trail race like these hardcore trail runners, but it's through the state park, so about one third of it's state park trails, one third's boardwalk, and one third's street. So it's a very nice mix up of small things. So it's a really nice race, and I like the fact it's in December, which is usually cool. But here we don't always have snow, although that race has had snow before. So yeah, you're a cold wet weather runner. Yes. And I wanted <laughs> to congratulate you on your amazing races this weekend, oh, too, by the way, which you have not. You, I mean, I feel like Chicago overpowered everybody, but those were amazing. I mean, you are an athlete of amazing quality, and I that should not be overlooked, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, it was, yeah. I um, It was a Staten Island half. Um, we don't have to talk about that much. But I think for anyone who has considered it, it had a very – um, New York City Marathon field because um, you had to take the ferry over from Manhattan. Of, of course, if you live in Staten Island and didn't have to come, but most majority of people are coming from um, Manhattan, right. and it was kind of fun. Like you uh, looked like you were having a blast, and all I pictures. I was I was um, I don't know I surprisingly had a good time. Uh, <laughs> you have to. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was kind of a pain in the butt to get to because most of the races that I do, I'm very spoiled. I just roll out of bed mm-hmm. <laughs> and I go to Central Park, which is a half a mile from my house, mm-hmm. and then I run a race and then well, I come my, back. My boss had done the New York marathon and he said that you have to wait like hours before hours hours it's not dreadful cold no (laughs) we can do a whole podcast on the logistics of the new york city marathon which makes kind of the logistics of the chicago marathon look like you know a 5k like a back because yeah Yeah, it was amazing it worked very smoothly i would totally if i were ever to go that crazy again and do it i would totally do chicago again for right because you have an early start and you you have to get out there like an hour or two in advance but like for new york you literally start your day like five hours in advance and then you run the marathon and then you run the (laughs) marathon after taking every type of transportation (laughs) with all kinds of smells there's like a subway and a ferry and a bus like involved in getting um all the way down there but that uh that actually happened for the staten island half and it was a very like pretty um half although there was no spectators whatsoever (laughs) <laughs> well, we were all spectating and cheering from oh, afar, so yeah. you know that we are we are your family from afar, even though it's there. But I know it's not the same. <laughs> that is very sweet. I mean, uh, Sauny uh, Sandler or uh, knew I was running it, and I know she she just started texting me at like, you know, I'm relating to you as you were telling us how you got all those texts. She was texting me, and it just gives you a boost in your step when you know that people are watching and cheering you and I could tell it was her because or what she was saying because every time I stepped over one of the timing mats I'd get like a text and I was like I know Sony's like watching me I know she's she's cheering me on but yeah it's such a fun thing to to hear from people actually like as you are um, real time running a race which was and the funny thing was is people good intentions from like mile 22 on or like you're almost there you're almost there and I was like I know I'm not almost there yes so to get the <laughs> real like... deal update from the people who saw where I was and you have this much to go was good because between the Garmin saying I was like a mile and a tenth more than I was or not the Garmin the Apple watch and you know it was like I don't know how much I have left but it is not <laughs> yeah you're like I'm not almost there 22 mile 22 is too early to oh, I know I know but they were meaning well but it's like at that yes. point you're like shut up, shut up. <laughs> I'm not almost there well anyway I know um you are incredibly busy and super important at work that you took time out of your day um to talk to me means so much to me i I'm really, really thankful that you would share your life and your story with us. I know lots of people are going to be enjoying our conversation on their like run or their commute or whatever they're doing um, to, to listen to you, to your life. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm actually quite honored and I was a little shocked. I mean, I'm my first first podcast in one week. I better sit down. No, but thank you. I do appreciate it. I love this group and I follow you diligently. Yeah. You, we have uh, amazing athletes in our group and I yeah. am honored to even be thrown in that bunch and let alone be a subject of the podcast. So thank you. Well, I'm so excited to, uh, to put this one out, um, hopefully later today. And I look forward to meeting you, Alice, really. We should get together. Yes, I'm um, looking forward to that, maybe in Philly. And I'll be yeah. cheering for you as yeah. you go 
full on. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. But um, have a great day, Alice. Thank you so much for your time. And I Thank hope this you. was okay. No, it was great. It was all right, Alice. All right. I'll be talking to you later. Okay. Thank you so take, much. Take bye, care, bye. Alice. bye. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to uh, this episode. Um, Alice is just an amazing person, so inspiring, um, with such a positive spin on life. And I'm so happy we got to share um, with her in her journey about her first marathon. Maybe we can all give her a little bit of love and enable her to maybe think about that next marathon should she want um, to do that Um, and yeah I'm having a ton of fun I have a list of people and some interviews set up if you know someone you really want me to talk to uh, let me know at this point it's just about logistics Um, I am in Eastern Time in New York City some people are all over the world Um, and we are super busy, um, but I am willing to try to make things work to bring you guys, um, a good interview. So just let me know. I hope you guys are enjoying, have a great run or commute and, um, uh, we'll see you next time.